In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Part of coming to our liturgies and services is coming to grips with ourselves, being utterly honest with ourselves. And that is not always easy. In fact, it is sometimes downright annoying, humbling, aggravating, and also embarrassing because we know where we ought to be doing better, where we have gone off course, and where we need to take stock of our lives. And when we are honest, we realize that we have indeed fallen short of the glory of God. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. The trumpets have blasted. The crowd has shouted Hosanna to their king. And now the crowd waits for something to happen. And we can sometimes be a little hard on them and scoff that they got it all wrong so many years ago. They have welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem, into their capital. And what we must understand is that they were just like we are right now. Looking for a Messiah to alleviate pain and suffering economic burdens, and to be the promised king, a literal and physical king who would rout out the Romans and establish the old dynasty of David once again. If Jesus needed an army, they were ready and willing to serve. But we, like them, are so wrong. What we fail to see is that Jesus is thinking of things in a different way. He has a different mind than what we have. We watch and participate in elections and our democracy with an eye only on our needs here and now. Jesus sees things in a cosmic perspective, with a mind that looks for justice rather than revenge, and for power that is made perfect in weakness. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. What are people for? What is my neighbor for? In many circles, we see people as literal means to ends that reduce human beings to mere rubbish. We can look around the globe and issue indictments. The plight of the Uyghurs in China who were being abused and tortured in camps resembling those of Nazi Germany the continued upheaval in Syria, Iraq, Iran, where thousands of Christians and Jews have been slaughtered because of their faith by extremists, so much so that some ancient churches and sects of Christianity have been wiped off the earth. 
the blatant and evil purveyors of narcotics in this, our own country, who supply many thousands of tons of methamphetamines and K2 synthetic marijuana and cocaine and heroin so that they can get rich at the cost of many people's lives and families and forcing them into a living hell here on earth. All of this is exploitation, and we too, you and me, are guilty of it from time to time as well. Perhaps not on these levels, but certainly when we purchase clothes or food or even our mobile phones and computers, and we sort of know, we have an inkling that the people who put these goods together are being exploited by their overseers and their taskmasters. But Jesus teaches and shows us that people are not for exploitation, and power is not for exploiting. And even his divine nature did not exploit his human nature on this earth. No. Jesus shows us how to love people, how to engage with them, how to not let class or socioeconomic considerations corrupt our view of people whom we are to love. We are to love the weakers who are a different religion than we are. We are to love and pray for those who are massacring our fellow Christians. We are to care for those who are caught in the grips of drugs and also to bring those who manufacture and sell these horrific drugs to justice. But emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. It is so much easier to be served. We expect good service in restaurants. We demand help when we are shopping. We get our feathers ruffled when customer service at some retailer doesn't give us what we want. We sometimes joke about how bad service requires a penny tip to teach that person a lesson in respect. How often do we actually notice those who serve or wait on us? Have we said thank you to the man who stocks the grocery shelves? Or acknowledge the waiter who brings us more tea with a simple thanks as he does. Yet Jesus over and over and over again turns this servant versus master paradigm on its head. There are parables about how the servant is not greater than his master but then we have the servant who is invited to dine at his master's table. 
We have stories of women or a woman who washes the feet of Jesus, only then to have the King of Kings wash his disciples' feet. It is an ongoing paradox that we are expected to live into as well, each of us treating the other as their master and us as lowly servants, only to have them do the same to us. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. How often do we try to be somebody that we aren't? We try to birth a person into being that becomes a chimera of our true selves. We try to appear more rich than we are, or perhaps even poorer than we are if, the, if it suits our agendas. Some people try to sound like an erudite when they have no idea what the words they say actually mean. Others feign ignorance when the topic becomes too difficult to discuss. We become a false self, and many times we spend our ways into crippling debt so that we can put up a false front of success by purchasing a car we don't need or a house that is three times larger than our family could fill or a new destination vacation because we just need to get away. And we kill our true selves in the process by lying to everyone around us and probably lying to ourselves as well about who we are. But Jesus teaches that true life is found in him and only in him. And that life is found in obedience to God and in obedience to those things we know to be good and wholesome that have been passed down to us. And it is dying to self, dying to the false self that power, fame, and riches claim are the goal of this life when it is not. But it is also dying to our own self-wills in order to serve our king, our true king, not Caesar, not the president, not the world, but the king who is the creator of this world and the true viceroy of it, and the ultimate symbol and affirmation of our allegiance to him is to die, both to ourselves and to die physically for him. Several years ago, 
in 2017, there were two bombings at two churches, one in Alexandria and the other in Tanta, both in Egypt on Palm Sunday, while the saints were gathered like we are this morning. In Alexandria, 17 people were killed and 48 injured. Tanta was more Makan, with 30 people who lost their life and another 78 injured. There was an image that has stuck with me through the years, and I am reminded of it each Palm Sunday. It is a palm cross, just like many of you are wearing today. And it is lying on a bench. And that cross is sprinkled with the blood of modern day martyrs. Modern day witnesses who gave their life for Christ simply by showing up to the liturgy on a Sunday morning like we are having right now. Please forgive the diatribe, but as we embark on our Holy Week this year and we look at the calendar and say, well, I really don't want to go to that because I'd rather go fishing, or I'd rather watch March Madness, or I'd rather stay at home and, and nurse a hurt. But the proper place of the Christian on these holy days is here, worshiping our Lord and Savior, and remembering His love for us, and calling to mind the saints and martyrs who have been killed simply for gathering. Remembering Archbishop Oscar Romero, who was assassinated 41 years ago this past week while saying Mass in a hospital chapel in El Salvador. Gathering to pray for those in North Korea, Afghanistan, Somalia, Libya, Pakistan, Eritrea, Yemen, Iran. Nigeria, Iraq, Syria, Sudan, Saudi Arabia, Maldives, Egypt, China, Myanmar, Vietnam, and Laos, just to name the top 20 countries where it is dangerous to even darken the door of a church. And that doesn't include our neighbor, Mexico. We're down deep in the southern portions of the country. The drug lords and organized crime have basically put a stop to any church being an active agent of God in any meaningful manner. And the cult of Santa Muerte has replaced the faith of holy living. 
Too many Christians today have lost the reality that following Christ demands things from us. Christianity is not just a social club. It is not just joining some group of people and saying some words. Instead, it is a reordering of our entire life. We have Christians who skip church because it is the only day a week that they have off, or it is their golfing day, or they have company from out of town, or they need to watch some sporting event, or mow their yards, or they drank too much last night and can't get up this morning. And that is not what living as a Christian demands. Coronavirus withstanding, for obvious reasons, let me ask, what has happened? And why is it that the majority of people in this country who claim to follow Christ fail in the simplest and most easy of all tasks? which is to gather together as the assembly of believers. We can make all sorts of excuses. But the ultimate truth is that people claim they love Jesus. People claim that they belong to a certain denomination, but yet fail to demonstrate fail to humble themselves to acknowledge that they too need help from our Lord, need forgiveness from their neighbor, need to come here because they are doing badly. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. This is where we, especially during this Holy Week and upcoming Easter tide, must share our story, must invite those who have fallen away, and must take the time to welcome back our friends and strangers into our midst and also to take bold and hard steps with courage be it inviting a co-worker to experience the love of God or finding the most unpopular person in our daily lives and inviting them into this fellowship where they can learn that they are loved and welcomed or notice the homeless who need a hot meal or reaching out to someone whom you have hurt badly or who need your forgiveness. Let the same mind be in you. Let the same 
mind be in you. Let the same mind, the same.